I like the you know, Missy Elliott. I like this kind of guy. I like this kind of guy. I just I can't. Oh my god! Cut this. Destroy it. No, no, no. Keep it in. Paul, you know... Oh, hey, Rich. How are you? Nice to see you. Unconsciously. Mm, keep going. We've actually sort of adopted a format on track changes, and it goes something like this. We bitch and yell and complain for the first 20 minutes and then try to turn it into something a bit more constructive in the last 10. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, this is what the hell with the tech industry. It's a bunch of idiots. Yep. And, and look- then we're like... At the end, we're like, oh, God, we're marketing. Well, what can we do? Yeah. Here's how to understand this important thing. Oftentimes, I pause, right? Yeah. I, we pause the recording, and I say, okay, now we got to take this. Yeah, remember, in a, in a, remember, we have to give people something good to go home with. Yeah, something to chew on. Yeah. So we're going to do it different this time. It's going to be all constructive productivity this time. We're going to shove a listicle right through your ears into your brain. How many productivity things are we going to talk about? Five tools to help you work better. This is great. So, by the way, consciously, we're not going to pick tools like, oh, Slack. We're not going to do that. We're not looking for link bait here or ear bait. This is actual stuff that's actually kind of just up and coming right now. So, back tool to, number back, one. Tool number one. What's the number one tool? It's called Whimsical. Oh, that sounds nice. It's a thing that lets me uh, enjoy my life. It shows me balloons. <laughs> yeah, that's what Whimsical is. Whimsical's not about work. Where do I go? If I want to see Whimsical. Whimsical.com. Oh, that's a good URL. And it's a collaboration tool. It's a visual workspace. It's a flowchart maker. It's more than that. It'll do flowcharts, wireframes, sticky notes, mind maps. You know what it is? That's it's what all the flowchart makers do. Do wireframing. Yeah, they do. Yeah, but that's bullshit. You should don't call yourself flowchart. If you say omnigraffle. Omnigraffle. Thanks for listening to the podcast, everybody. There we go. What is omnigraffle? I'll give you 30 seconds because it is like mentioning the Doobie Brothers. So let's talk about omnigraffle. Every time I open it, I go, every day I'm graffling. And it's really bad. (laughs) Omnigraffle is a flowcharting, diagramming, prototyping tool that has been around for probably a decade plus, maybe longer. It only runs on the Mac. It's legendary, actually. Well, it just was one of those early Mac OS X, like there is this company, Omni Group, and they make, they were a Next company, and then Apple bought Next and was like, here's the new operating system, and they're like, hey, we got it all for you. We actually write software for this crazy cakes platform. Oh, I didn't know the background. And so OmniGraffle was their diagramming and charting tool, and it defined the world of information architecture along with Visio for quite a while. So I still, you know, as an old hand, I've still got a copy, but I'm going to be honest, I don't open it as opposed to how often I used to. I, I probably pop it up once every two months. Yeah, I mean, that's the power of tools like this is, you know, how did I find out about Whimsical is I got shared an asset. Yeah, and you can't do that with OmniGraffle. And that's the angle, right? Which is someone could start a flowchart and say, Rich, check it out. And you're not just getting an output. You're not getting an export of the flowchart. I'm in the game. Like it's the actual tool, the power of a web app. Product-led growth. People don't want to share software. They want to share documents. 
they want to share documents and they want to share living documents where yeah. I can actually contribute. That's so right. I could go in and Chat, make comments, spaces, and things like that. So Whimsical is a good tool. We're starting to use it at Postlight. If you um, system diagrams, flowcharts, mind maps, architecture, it's a way to capture that class of boxes and arrows kind of stuff. And you know, the beauty Wireframes is, too, actually. It'll let you mock up apps. That's right. It'll let you mock up apps and you can try it. The beauty of these tools, by the way, is the onboarding process is literally sign in with what Google. Is, what is your reaction when you get an email and it's like, hey, I've got a whimsical document for you the first time. Usually I, f- I collapse. Yeah, usually I'm just like, I physically ah, collapse. Ah, another, another, another freaking tool. thing. There's a lot of tools. Oh, yeah. That's why we're curating here, Paul. Oh, yeah. That's what we're doing. Yeah, that's true. We're going to leave about 5,000 tools out of this podcast. So anyway, I, I loved you, OmniGraffle. You were good for me for a long time. Whimsical st- is here. Yeah, I just don't flowchart that much anymore. Yeah, but you know what? I'm okay with it as another type of communication artifact. I love seeing them, like, but I'm just no one is saying, Paul, show me how this platform is going to work. That's I right. do, I do it sometimes uh, in proposals, but then I just use Keynote or Google Slides or whatever because it's usually adequate. All right, next one. Okay, feeling productive already. I, we've talked about this in a prior podcast. Mm. Um, the one of the most dangerous things that can happen at the end of a meeting where everybody's sort of patting each other on the back and saying, good job and nice work. And that's a pretty good idea. We should do that. That's actually not a bad way to approach this. You know how many hours of the last 24 hours of working time have been spent in meetings for me? A lot. 24. (laughs) I'm not kidding. You got a break now recording Uh, this podcast? This podcast. We just had a sales meeting. I'm like, oh, I kind of like this meeting because this is the meeting where we talk about what's happening in all the other meetings. Yeah. All of my meetings are designed so that I can talk about what's happening in other meetings. But to be clear, we've got a good system here at Postlight. It's going well. No, we're doing well. It's just wild that this is part of my life. Like, there's no point. My job is not to go do work. That's dangerous. My job is to go to meetings and then go to other meetings and share out and communicate. Your job is to empower others, Paul Ford. I know, I know. And that's, that's what how, a CEO does. That's how I do it. You are not going to feel that good feeling of those calluses on your hands because you've been working on that tree no, house. No, that's the thing. You want a tree house? Open Whimsical, start drawing a tree house and that's send right. it for someone else to build. That's exactly right. Next tool. I was making a point and you, you sidetracked me, but that's okay. That's the delight around recording this podcast. This is my Paul. 27th hour of meetings. I know, I understand. Yeah, so I, just, you, you, know, you, you get a pass. Take what you can get. No good, clear next steps out of a meeting mm. is one of the most dangerous things because you just wasted an hour. Meetings are impossible, right? So you write an agenda. It's not going to be the right agenda. You go on without an agenda. You screwed up. And you say, hey, what's the goal of this meeting? And then it turns out there's seven different ideas as to what the goal of the meeting is. When you ask that question at the beginning of a meeting, Mm. you're essentially saying, why the hell did you waste my time with this? And you better come up with a good answer right now. It's a very confrontational thing to say, I think, at the beginning of a meeting. Well, no, it can also be on gathering feedback. But the thing a leader should say is, here's what we want to get out of this meeting. And does anyone have any thoughts? Oh, there you go. That's a CEO right there doing their thing. So the tool is called Navigator. Is it Navigator.com? It is Navigator.com. You know what happened is there's so much money in the world that the VCs are suddenly saying, no, get the URL. It's worth it. Spend a couple hundred thousand dollars. So this tool essentially gives structure to your meetings. We're going to hit five points and we're going to have four action items coming out of it. 
And so it's an agenda writing tool, but instead of it just being a list, there's actual little modules. It kind of puts your meeting on Rails. That's right. Well, not uh, Rails, the software programming, because then the it would be really slow and it would take five seconds to load the page. But <laughs> but more like Rails. So Ouch. No, but it's like we're hitting a decision point. We promised we would get to this decision. What was the outcome? And then you have to document it. Yes. So it's an agenda, but then it's also kind of a live agenda that you keep filling in, which, you know, you could also do with a Google Doc for free and not add a lot of complexity, but that's not how product works. Product is always has the fantasy that software will fix humans. I mean, the goal here is to try to get max value out of your time on that meeting. I'll tell you what, I just don't believe it. Okay. Here's the things it's trying to do. I'm pitching this right, t- right uh, pitch, now. Pitch I, me, what's it called? Notorious? Navigator. Okay. Very Notorious close. is pretty good. So it has things like reminders to prepare. So you'll get a ping because you want another reminder. That's right. That's good. I like a good reminder. (laughs) Pre-reads, essentially some prep notes that you should read before you come to the meeting. Action item tracking. Docs. Call it docs. Don't call it pre-reads. Okay. Action items. So things we're going to discuss. Yep. Meeting summaries. So if someone is the the scribe, the the note taker. Fill that that out. So we're going to create some knowledge here. Yep. And a feature called Time Saver. When there's nothing on the agenda, you'll get a notification to see if you'd like to give everyone their time back. Oh, yeah. Nobody does that. Can I describe a true power move I've seen? Yes. So remember when I wrote that thing for Business Week, What is Code? Yes. Okay. So I was kind of living inside of Business Week at that point. The editor, Josh Tierengel, stood up and he actually gave me a ribbon. It was like a silly ribbon, like pretty good is what it said. And that was nice. And everybody was really sweet. And he just went, look, you all need to know. I'm declaring meeting amnesty. All standing meetings are done. And if you desperately need a meeting, you can have one. But no more standing meetings until you really know why. Suddenly, everyone's supposed to clear their calendar. We did something similar recently, by the way, and Mm -hmm. it threw us off for a minute. Oh, so we have a couple of recurring meetings around staffing people, around well, sales. Well, we can describe it to people. They'll find it interesting. We used to have a meeting called Growth and Partnerships where it would be like, hey, how are we doing with sales? How are the current engagements going? Are we growing the company? What's happening? I was nominally in charge of that, and Rich was there too. And so it became like the number one information source about what was actually happening in the company. And so you were going to need to staff your people if you're running a division, so on. And it became a, this moment of gridlock every week. It did. And it wasn't feeling constructive anymore. So then we start this new thing. Rich came up with an acronym, CORE. We'll talk about it later, but it's Q-O-R-E. But it's our first acronym. We're very proud. But it upended some of these recurring meetings. We decided, well, the thing was, you have the GMP meeting, and then you need to have the CORE meetings. Yeah. And we said, all right, we're cut, Wait, shutting this no, one down. No, but there's a staffing meeting, which That's we're not allowed to go to. That's true. We can't go to the staffing meeting. And those all blew up. We blew up so many meetings. And you know what we did that was great? We didn't create an alternative or a solution or make it easy for anybody. Because you know what happens? The needs are going to surface anyway, and they're going to force us some things to happen. I nearly did. I was like, well, you know, we could replace this function with a monthly meeting. It's very tempting. And you said, why don't you just do it ad hoc? We don't land that much business. Why have a monthly meeting? Yeah. Like, we only bring in about two new clients a month max. So why would you have a a Well, that's increasing. (laughs) It's increasing, but it's like you don't need a standing meeting for something that only happens kind of at random. And, you know, that pushback is intentional. Sometimes I'm saying it and I'm not believing what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. About 80% of the time. (laughs) (laughs) But the pushback is meaningful, Mm -hmm. actually, because what it is is it's like, okay, let's really test this. Because I don't know the answer. I don't have the alternative. No, but it'd be great if somebody was like, well, you know what we could do. Okay, so anyway... Related to all that, Navigator is this tool that is really kind of trying to get you to use your meetings really well. We're giving it a whirl. 
We're giving it a whirl. And as opposed to Basecamp and Google Docs and so on. Yes. I'm looking forward to it. All right, Paul, I'm going to let you toss out number three. So this one is one that nobody's going to use, but we're talking about things we use. I have talked about this on the show before, Emacs Org Mode. And, you know, here's what's funny. There are all these wonderful tools, and they're good. Like Basecamp's good, and they've all had lots of eyes on them and so on. Emacs Org Mode is a pure text environment for writing and making to-do lists, and I use it to publish content. And it's like me, some academics, some programmers. Let me ask you a question, first off, because that's the worst product name I've ever heard. It's really bad. What is Emacs? Text editor. It's got a lot of fun. It's for programming, a lot of functions. Okay, so Emacs is a text editor tool. We're not talking about point and click here. Let's explain to people. No. Is it free? It's utterly free. It's free software, GNU public license. It's been around for 20 plus years, decades. What is org mode? Org mode is a set of programming libraries built on top of Emacs that let you do an unbelievable number of productivity-related things. Like? Oh, I can create to-do lists. I can track time. I can set priorities and organize things by priorities. And everything is in a hierarchical outline. So at any point, I can export my to-do list as a document and then put it into Google Docs. This sounds trivial, but it's super powerful, and I wish more things had this pattern. Because what happens is I set up a to-do list, and the to-do list itself is an outline of a document. And as I finish parts of the document, I mark them done. And then when they're all done, I clean it up and I hit export, and it exports it to HTML or PDF, or there's another pipeline that can get it to Microsoft Word. And now the proposal, the statement of work, the complicated thing that I had to do that was actually really thorny and needed me to treat it like a project is done and ready and out to the world. I use this when I'm writing articles. I use this when I'm writing statements of work, like all that stuff. Worth noting, there's a part of me that feels like you're hold on to this because it's nostalgic. There are a little thousands bit. of users. This is a community. It's a little, maybe a little okay. cult. Yeah, it's a little cultish. No, and, but and the thing is, is the clean output into all the different formats. Like, that's the cell. It's very fast, and I have a lot of control over my own environment. And then... Very keyboard-driven. It's utterly keyboard-driven, and my brain is mapped to it. But the weird thing, the reason it's fun to talk about, actually, is that it should be an ancient legacy eye roll of a thing, but there are thousands of but people... It's alive. Oh, they keep developing it. It integrates with... If I'm writing something about coding, I can drop the code into the org mode file, and then it will actually execute it and put the output in the mm. org mode file. So like, if I'm like, here, you should do this with SQL. Look at how this little program does these things. If I'm like writing one of my weird essays, I have the computer right there inside of the buffer. Right. That's a hell of a thing. So anyway, brutal learning curve. But if you're a nerd, go watch a couple interviews or some YouTube stuff, and you'll see that it is a hell of a world. And actually, there's nothing else out there that does this thing. Uh, Orgmode.org. If you yeah, want to go yeah. play with it, this is free. Uh, and like, like you said, I there like are YouTube cool. videos on how to use it. It's a good example of not throwing everything away just because stuff changed. You also, I think, if you love control, I love going to the settings of anything as soon as I install it. Mm-hmm. And if you love control, I think this is a tool that provides that. Number four. Oh, this one's a personal one. For those who've never seen me, I have a complicated relationship with my weight. Let's just say that I could lose a few hundred pounds. And there's this app called Fat Secret, which I'd heard about. Now, I wrote my own calorie counting app at one point years ago. Your style of procrastination. I don't want to talk about that right now. We'll put it off for another podcast. Isn't, no, it's, I'm about to compliment you. Is remarkably productive. I call, it the, <laughs> I call it the stack. I have a procrastination stack where 
each layer of the stack is actually a relatively serious project <laughs> that probably will reach a lot of people. And I sort of pile them on top of each other and I can't get, so to be like, I got to finish my book, but I need to write the CMS first. That is an archetypal Paul Ford problem. And uh, it's because of my stupid brain. Anyway, so fat secret, I have thought a lot about calorie counters. I've used a lot of them. You might have very complicated opinions. There's one called Calorie King. Like the databases around like the foods is pretty incredible. That stuff is all good. I just got to tell you, like this app just works. And it's not the prettiest thing. And I see a few things I would change, but having built my own... And then, you know what's bad is when you build your own solution and then you're like, well, I can never use another one. I need to update mine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Throwing away your own software is really hard. It is really hard. It's like saying, this dog is not friendly. I'm going to get rid of it. Look at how simple this thing is. I, I mean, I just literally, it's like, hey, what do I have for lunch? And I type in ham sandwich. And like, you know, my options come up. It gives me the nutrition facts, tells me all the stuff. I save it. Checkbox. Done. Can add my salad in. It's the simplest thing. Tells me I've burned about 2,333 calories today. Burned? It, it integrates with my Google Fit. Okay, yeah. so you're on Android. I'm on so Android. It, it's it, also it tracks your steps and all that. It integrates with all that. It keeps eye on you. That's awesome. Free? Yeah. You buy menu plans, stuff like that. Got it. So Fat Secret. I, I love the name because it's just like, yeah, let's just get over it. Yeah, I like the name, too. It's just like, hey, what are you doing here? It's okay. Yeah, come on, chubby. We said these are five great tools that are going to help you work. But, you know, we're also here to live, Paul. Yeah, that's right. Well, listen, I'm not going to get a lot of work done unless I lose some weight. (laughs) Okay, fair (laughs) enough. All right, we're going to close it with a fifth tool and a pleasant surprise, actually. What do you got? got? What's the tool? Uh, The tool is called Todoist. Oh, you love. This is your org mode. This is my org mode, and actually, the depth of functionality in Todoist is real. It goes pretty far in. The mobile app is wonderful. The Mac app is the winner. Tell me about Todoist. What's okay, it like? so first so, off, I'm tossing, this just feels like a cop-out. Start, I got a to-do list. Start there. You got a to-do list, and the thing it does that I like is it does the smart typing where if you say, pay uh, electric bill Jan 21, just typing that in we'll is going to slide. Jan 21. Yeah. Or if I say check bank account every 28th. Yeah, of okay. The month, so it'll, it'll read your, your words and turn right. those into recurring events. You couple that with it's a Mac right. app, which yeah, I can do that in org mode by hitting the calendar buffer, inserting a date with uh, I can't remember the key. Command key. shift. No, options, it's like it's just actually seven. the greater than, and then you use a couple different shortcuts to get that kind of clarity in. So I it sounds like yours is easier. A little easier. And the Mac app is practically invisible except mm. for command shift space, which will bring up an add task bar. The other cool thing it does is it keeps multiple lists. So if there's movies I want to just like keep track of, you can put them in. So it's a to-do list with multiple lists that reads your words and... Reads your words. Notifies you. Do anything else with it? I want to say one last feature. It has. It has probably less features than some of these other ones. To-do apps are like the Mardi Gras of the app store. It's a little bananas. Like there's a few that are actually extremely simple. They're like, we're not going to let you look ahead beyond tomorrow. But some of them are deeply, deeply complex and have all these features and whatnot. And this is just right. And the other big surprise, Paul, is we're actually going to have the founder of Todoist on the podcast in a future podcast, which is pretty exciting. Little startup. I think they're doing real well, and I think totally bootstrapped, so we'll hear his story when he's on. You know, one of the things as we're talking about this stuff, you can really observe there's this contrast. Have you ever heard of the law of envelopment? 
No, but let's end this podcast sounding smart. So go ahead, Paul. The law of envelopment is the observation that every application increases in size until it can send email. Is that a real law? Certainly, it's well, not federal. No. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, if you Google law of envelopment. That's really funny. It's totally real, right? Because remember, there was that moment where like Microsoft Word, one day, it was like, send this document by email. Yeah. And first of all, half of the ones we've talked about love to send you email. Can't wait to tell you about the update to the document. See, that's the thing, right? Like, here's that's what, the counter, but Here's what it gets at, which is that, so Emacs, which I also use to read email, is... Absolutely maximalist. It's headed towards an operating system in the level of its function. It's got yep. software all over. And then Todoist doesn't do a lot. It's here to do this thing for you and then get at the hell out of your way. Yes. Now, I also love software like that. Like I have a little thing that reads my Google Calendar and tells me in the top right menu bar, I can't remember the name of it, what's coming up. And it is a great piece of software and I, I love it. Very simple. Very simple. I love simple tools that do one thing. We they, do. They are a wonderful thing. I mean, we made tinysheet.com. Mm -hmm. You should go to that. But there, it really does seem like there's two kinds of software developers. Those who are going to build a tool that will solve every single problem that a human might ever have. And those who are like, I'm going to just do this thing for you and I hope it works out. And what's mm -hmm. interesting with both Whimsical and um, Navigator is that they're right in the middle right now. Whimsical is groupware. It's, you know, you can put comments on things. Like it could start going in a billion different directions. It's actually one of the hardest things to decide, which what direction am I going to go? We see it. We have a client who came in and was like, we need to figure out what to do with our product. And it took them 45 minutes just to show us it had the like products a, had like a Jira built in. It had like, I mean, it had messaging built in yeah. all these sort of views and dashboards and the product really only needs to do about one thing. I think that's the hardest thing in the world because if somebody says, yes, we can just get a lot of libraries out and, and yeah. build that for you, you know, it's, it's going to take another month, but you can have an email client inside of your app. They're like, well, that's so great because then we can just have people communicate only using our app and that, that's really powerful. Right. And right. it's like, no, just no. live in the world. You know, the less is more mantra is a real one. I think Unless you love a maximalist environment for doing certain kinds of things. Like Emacs is a giant beast that took me years to tame. And now I'm powerful because everything's one or two Well, you've invested away. in it, right? Like you've made the investment. Programming is like this. Thousands of users are committed to it. Like org mode is not going to come up with, hey, we've decided to shed a lot of features because that's the right thing to do. There'll no, be a, in fact, be a revolt. the ecosystem in programming language, you know, everything is so that like you can deprecate certain things and replace them with others, but it's always getting bigger. Python 4 is not going to be like, we radically slimmed it down and took away all the libraries. Yeah. There's always more to do and so there's a mindset around like programming and building things where i want to give you as many tools as possible mm -hmm. and then there's the like how about this one tool well I, I gotta say paul this is one of the most optimistic positive podcasts we've ever recorded just a little happiness as you go about your day think yeah. about all the things simple tools complex tools we love them all a dollop of kindness and generosity yeah. and paul speaking of killer tools that boost productivity. We build some of those for some of our biggest clients, including big banks, media, health tech, government organizations, government organizations really good, big, sprawling. We've got some very cool announcements coming about the stuff really that Postlight do. is doing. I, I have to say, the work mix at Postlight is it's all, lovely right it's now. as close to ideal as possible. It is a mix of like raw, unbuttered capitalism. <laughs> 
dropped right down on your plate. And absolute semi-socialist do-gooderism on the other side. Like we are just yeah. riding Everyone's this tiger. Having a great time. It's good. Yes. And which actually, to that note, product managers, designers, and engineers, wonderful time to get in touch. Lots of good work for you to do. Yes. Reach out to us if you need our help or if you'd like to work here. Hello, Hello at, Postlight. at postlight.com. Hello at postlight.com. And clients, too. We're always looking. Have a lovely week, Paul. You too, Richard. Let's get to work. <laughs>